Well, if you've been paying attention, you know that home prices in Canada have absolutely exploded in the past year, up as much as 40% in some places. Now, it's changed the playing field for a whole lot of people, obviously, but it's meant that a lot of people now find themselves in an almost impossible position as they try to enter the home ownership world. They just cannot do it, at least not without some help, and that adds another layer of complexity to this. To get a little more information about exactly what's going on and what it means, we're joined now by Ricardo Trangin, who is a political economist and senior researcher with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Ricardo, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, we really are seeing some absolutely remarkable changes in Canada's real estate market, aren't we? Just massive increases. Yes, we are. And despite the pandemic, um, many assumed that through the pandemic, we would witness some sort of cooling off of the market. That hasn't happened. Uh, the trend downward, upwards, and uh, the really sort of double-digit um, increase in house prices kept going throughout all of this. Um, now, and, you know, typically when we talk about real estate, there's two different worlds in Canada. We often talk about, like, Toronto and Vancouver and then everybody else, but this is pretty much universally happening from coast to coast, right? Absolutely. The trend is everywhere. Um, as always, the larger cities, uh, there is more competition for the sort of the real estate right downtown in some particular areas, but the suburban areas of those um, large cities are also seeing really high prices um, and places like Ottawa and Montreal, where it used to be sort of not so competitive markets in the past couple of years, prices have gone up by quite a bit in those cities as well. Now, obviously that puts a lot of pressure on people trying to get into the housing market, and for a lot of them it's almost become out of reach, right? Yes. Um, yes, and, and there's a few indicators there that shows that. Uh, when we look at, um, as you mentioned earlier, as we look at the share of first buyers who are needing and who are using help from families, it has increased. Uh, so 20 years ago, maybe there was around 30% of first-time buyers who would have had some help from family. Now it's up to 40%. Um, we also see that the um, among the population 35 to 45 years of age, back in 1977, about 73% owned a home, mm-hmm. in contrast to 64% in 2006. And then maybe it has to do with a little bit with other factors. People, you know, starting families a little bit later, but yet another indicator. And another one, finally, is when we look at how many years it takes someone earning an average income to save for that 20% down payment for an average home in in their town. And that has increased quite a bit too. So back in 1976, you'd have taken a Canadian worker on average five years to save that much. um, And now it's around 13 years. Now, for a lot of people, this means the only way to get into this market is to get help from mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, right? I mean, that's typically sort of become almost a qualifier for a lot of people to even entertain the thought of home ownership. Yes, around 40% of folks now are using um, that kind of help. On average, um, they 
have help for up to 15% of the down payment. Um, there's a minority, about 5% of first-time home buyers who get the full amount from their families. Um, but yes, it, it's becoming a bigger part of, of, of the equation, which raises the question, what if your family can't help? Yeah. And, and it also raises the question, um, what is this doing to mom and dad? I mean, all of a sudden we're talking about huge chunks of their retirement savings that have to go to, to get their kids into homes. That's got to be a factor as well. Yes, and, and that's the generation right now. Sometimes we refer to them as the sandwich generation, right? So it would be folks who are perhaps between like 40, 50, 60 years old, and they're trying to help their kids, but they're also responsible for helping their parents um, with whatever arrangements they have in their retirement. So they're, they're, quite, they're quite squeezed in between there. And as you said, they also have to be thinking about their own uh, retirement, not, not too, too, too far away. Um, one other question. What about, you know, we kept hearing that there was millions and millions, billions of dollars just sitting on the sidelines waiting to be spent by people who were actually socking away a lot of money during the pandemic. How does that fit into the real estate prices? Is that sort of what's driving up the prices in some cases? could be one of the factors like the trend it's it's been there for quite a bit um so it's not the only factor um we do know that during the pandemic um the, the way this economic downturn happened it hit mostly low-income workers and and workers who um don't have that kind of cash and who are just struggling with rent at this time in, in, in age, they're actually struggling just not to be evicted. It's a whole very different situation. Um, was higher earner incomes, higher income earners, they were less affected, um, and they, in, on average, saw their disposable income increase because a bunch of things they couldn't do, right? They couldn't yeah. travel abroad, they couldn't go to restaurants, they couldn't um, do a number of things. They couldn't sign up their kids for some extracurricular activities. So they have a little bit more disposable income, um, and that might be driving a little bit um, both um, the competition for homes, maybe a little bit more help for their kids to buy their homes. It, it, it might be one of the factors, but the trend has, has been there for, for quite some time. What about, you know, the, the sustainability of this? When you're seeing a 40% increase in one year, that seems uh, out of this world. Is there a chance that this bubble could burst sometime soon and people could be stuck in a position that, you know, could be really catastrophic for them? Um, that's a heated debate, um, and it really depends who you ask. I think the economists and political economists like myself are usually more accurate when they predict the past than the future, <laughs> because we're, we're better at reading history than, than making guesses. Um, but it is, it is unsustainable, and I think what always, um, for me, one of the questions is, what about the people who are renting as well, right? Because yeah. we have to accept that at some point there is um, a large chunk of the population, more than 30% who are renters, and maybe that share of the population will increase. And so we also have to ask not only how to facilitate the entry to the home ownership market to people, but also ask, are people who are renting doing well? And if not, how can we prove that so it becomes a more um, sustainable and a more reasonable um, sort of um, option. Yeah, what, what a t- it's, it really is uh, unprecedented. Ricardo, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet.
that is Ricardo Trangin, who is a uh, political economist and a senior researcher at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, talking about all the sudden and dramatic changes we've seen in Canada's housing market.